Would you open God's precious holy word to 2 Peter chapter 3? We complete our study in 2 Peter today with this message that I call Grow in Grace and Knowledge. Peter has for these two epistles. In the power of the Holy Spirit, through, the, through his pen, inspired pen, has written seeking to strengthen believers on the fringe of the Roman Empire in a time of persecution from Nero. And as he made his way through his admonition to them, he hits heavily against false teachers, warning the Christians, teaching them how to stand against false teachers, teaching them the dangers of false teachers, and teaching them the final place for false teachers. But at the foundation of it all here, Peter is writing to believers that they may be strengthened. And so as as he concludes this last of his epistles, he brings them to reminder of where they are headed, where we all are headed in Christ And he says things here and he writes things to them regarding their their feelings and their ambitions in Christ. We find that, of course, it's the same thing and the same feeling that we have in these present days. So here in verse 10, he addresses the day of the Lord. All of us are headed to the day of the Lord. Peter is perhaps the most graphic of the New Testament writers in describing the end of the age. And I don't say that lightly. There's, you know, there's a, there's a consummation of the present age, the church age, uh, there is a time of tribulation and there is a millennial kingdom, but he speaks here of the total and absolute destruction of the present universal age. All of us in Christ should be mindful of it and thoughtful of it as well. So now in his closing remarks, he says, beginning in verse 10, however, the day of the Lord, now that's a phrase that is seen in both Testaments. It's a thought, it's a, it's a doctrinal truth uh, from scripture that finally the time will come when the creator will have the last say in everything. The day of the Lord will come like a thief 
in which the heavens will pass away with a roar. Elements then burning with heat will be dissolved and the earth uh, will not be found. And the earth and the works that are in it will not be found. Somehow I left something off there. But I go back up to the Greek. Here it is. The earth works in it will not be found. The earth, all the works in it. The world has its system of works. We, we have our secular libraries. We have our history books. I will say that much of the grandest things that happened in history probably have been forgotten. They're lost in the sands of time. In my reading and, and things that I see uh, from time to time on, on history and such, that's reports that are given like on YouTube, new discoveries of ancient civilizations and when, when uncovered what is found is remarkable and the reflections are made upon how life must have been in such places but we don't know who the people were we don't know names of the leaders we don't know exactly what kind of system they were one thing that seems to be uh, similar to all of them or common to all of them are the ziggurats the uh, the uh, that's not cigarettes they, they don't all we find people petrified smoking a cigarette that's not it the ziggurat the uh, like pyramids they look very much the same they're a little bit different on some of them so you know it, it, you uh, you know that there was some kind of common belief here uh that when studied and and when the when the writings are are translated it's discovered that these were pagan things sometimes astrological things the angles and the construction of these things are remarkable how in the world did people do such things and pull such stones and and make such carvings and have such a an advanced civilization in some day back when we don't know. But the truth is there that whatever it was, it was lost in history. So here's the point. Time just keeps going on. And we have in our present day, you know, we have these historical figures that we think uh, were important. Wars that were fought that we think were uh, important. And so these are the works of the earth. These, the works of the, now if you go to scripture and you note the prophets and the apostles, the psalmist says, Lord, your word is settled forever in heaven. So the word of God will transcend everything, even the works of the earth, even the universe itself to reflect on the earth and the works of the earth, all of the effort that went into things that didn't mean anything at the end of it all. I personally, as, as a younger person, I invested a lot of times in things that as an old man, uh, 
All it left me was gimpy and uh, sore. You know, you think, what in the world was I doing? Why didn't I do something else? The world invests itself in things that at the last will not stand. It disappears with the earth when the dissolution comes of everything. The earth, the works that are in the earth will not be found. And I was so fast, but it's important to note that that phrase up there in the original, of course, the works that are in it, along with the earth, not to be found. All that the world system works for. Almost like uh, the rage of Antichrist in the world system since the fall of man. And it's seen, it's seen in the way that Cain tried to be religious without being truthful and worshipful. Moves on from there to the pre-flood world, the Tower of Babel, and we could go on and on with the world systems that existed that no longer exist. You know, Nebuchadnezzar, when his dream was interpreted, uh, was told that the statue would be a head of gold and you, O Nebuchadnezzar, are that head of gold. That's Babylon. And then it went on down from silver to bronze to iron and then iron mingled with clay. Very obvious from the word of God that this representation of man and the works of man were not completely Babylon. Babylon had a part of it, but it wasn't. However, when Nebuchadnezzar had the statue made, he made it all of gold. He just ignored the word of God. This is how he saw uh, the works of all ages. Babylon would never, ever fall. He thought, of course it did. All the way through all of those world empires that are important to the word of God because it has to do with the people of God. Now, the works of the earth were invested in the earth, the earth system, the world system. But did you know that the whole universe is designed to explode? Did you know that? You can study some, if you study physics from, from the sense of, Lord knows I'm not a physicist. I just know what I've been told and what I've read. But it says here that the heavens will pass away with a roar. Elements then burning with heat be dissolved. What we are and the earth, works in the earth will not be found. It's be, it'd be gone. The only thing preserved, of course, the people of God, the word of God, the way of God, to a new heaven and a new earth. But the former things will be passed away. Now, John lightly deals with it in his writing and even in the revelation. But Peter in just a couple of verses here really tells us the horrific end of the universe. And in his own way in another day, it stands, it stands truthful in a day here today, almost 2000 years later, knowing what we know scientifically. We understand, for example, um, a nuclear explosion, what happens with subatomic particles, all these kinds of things. 
I read from a physicist this past week. I couldn't understand a lot of what he was saying. But what I know that he was saying was this, that atomic particles are energetic beyond imagination. You have these protons and a nucleus and neutrons and electrons, and there's tremendous activity and energy and movement in those things. And mysteriously, that tremendous energy is held together. Well, Colossians 1 says that it's held together by Christ. In him, all things are held together. Colossians chapter 1. So the one who came out from the realm of the Godhead, a realm that we cannot understand, into his creation of time and space, there as he created it, created it such that it's made to be destroyed if it has to be. And he holds it together. The one who created it holds it together. And at his pleasure, he will release it. And it will be a universal nuclear explosion. It's designed that way. That's the way it is. So here, Peter describes that event. The heavens will pass away with a roar. And elements then burning with heat will be dissolved. Elements, the elements with heat will be dissolved. You've seen these um, satellites that have been sent out in the past few years and decades. And they just keep going. And they're, they're, they're designed, the ones I'm speaking of, are designed to study other planets. They make a flyby and they use that planet's gravity to slingshot to the next place. But they'll take the closest and best pictures that have been made. I can't remember which, if it was a Voyager or something else, but a pioneer, so I don't know. But one of them, I recall the picture that it was taken, it was way out there closing in on Neptune or something way on out there at the edge of our solar system. Looking back, it took a picture and there was this tiny, tiny blue speck. Voyager, Voyager thank you. And that little blue speck was Earth. And I was alive when that picture was made. So somewhere on that distant blue speck, I was running around doing something. And the world was having its events that were so important that would seem to shake the civilization from time to time. And I suppose in my lifetime, I, did not, I was not alive in World War II, which was a tremendous event historically. But there have been other great events. I, I remember when I was 10 years old watching President Kennedy warn the Russians to get their missiles out of Cuba. My, it was on a Wednesday night. We were supposed to have church and my mom and my daddy were very concerned and they were telling me, you know, this thing, we're liable to see a nuclear war here. That was a tremendous thing in the history, right? Things are happening today. These, but you know, when you look back and you consider that little blue speck against everything else that's around it, 
You think, well, how can that be such a deal? That's how David was when he said to the creator, what is man that thou art mindful of him? The son of man that thou wouldst consider him? Well, that's a good question. But it was by the design and purpose of God that what happened on that little blue speck would be something that would affect creation universally. Pass away with the roar, elements then burning with heat, dissolve the earth, the works that are found in the earth. They will not be found. The works that are in them will not be found. Gone, dissolved, poof, nothing there anymore. Universal nuclear explosion. So now we look at this uh, web telescope and its pictures. Some of the most breathtaking things that have never been seen like that before. I saw, I saw a picture of two galaxies that looked like two jellyfish kind of crawling around on each other. Those were galaxies. You know, a galaxy is supposed to be a thing that's flat and good. Man, these things were kind of... It was, it was like cosmic jellyfish fighting each other. I don't know. You see these pictures, you think, how marvelous. And then how many millions of light years would span from one edge to the other. And then these pictures that are made so far uh, in the distance and the scientists who don't have a biblical worldview will make their statements of, of all of these things. But we know it's a long way out there. I mean, I don't, I don't doubt or question that at all. And... We're seeing these things amazingly like we've never seen them before. But the whole thing, let me tell you something. The whole thing is a tinderbox. The whole universe is designed to explode. The Bible teaches us that the only, the only power that keeps it from blowing up is the staying power of Christ who by his power keeps it together, Colossians chapter one. It also says in that same context that all of this was made for him, by him and for him. It just pleased him to make it like that. It all interacts with everything else just for the sake of those who are the elect on that little blue dot who were chosen before any of that ever existed. And... What the covenant that the father made with the son in a realm that we cannot understand that is before, if we can apply a human term to, to, <laughs> to God, before time and space, he guarantees by his pleasure and will that there will be this wonderful creation of worshiping people who will attend to him in worship and praise forever and ascribe to him the glory that is his. And the story that goes from there through creation all the way to the day of the Lord and the passing away of everything, the story there is that the power and grace of God, even in a time of sin and fall, has preserved 
those whom the Father has given to the Son because he said they are forever yours. And I think the great glory then at the end of all of this will be that nothing could stop the power and grace of God from bringing me to and keeping me in Christ. Not even, not even the power of the universe. The works of the earth will be dissolved. The earth will be dissolved. But the people of God, those who are chosen in Christ, we shall stand and be with him forever. Such that when the nastiness of the first earth and the first heaven, all of that has passed away. Yet still we shall stand with him and probably watch the power of creation about which so many have guessed through the centuries. We'll see the reality of it. Of all of these processes and, and things that science thinks and theorizes about in cosmology will finally and at last be determined to be the truth and it is this that the creative power of God and that everything that is made rests on his word and God said and it was everything dissolves the works of the earth and the earth cannot be found it disappears there is no way that any search could ever be made everything's gone Dissolved. The earth will not be found. There are some who think that the day of the Lord and the fire of the Lord is just something that will cleanse the present earth. That's not what I read in this. You won't find it. You'd have to find it to rebuild it. You can't rebuild something that isn't there. It's dissolved. It's gone. The power of God. The power of sin that has even reached into the universe and I believe affected those among the angels who became fallen angels. I mean, how can I know how far it reaches? Only God can know that and it will be dissolved. And this is the message now as he comes into a landing with these, with these believers there in the eastern part of the Roman Empire. The day of the Lord is coming like a thief and everything is going to pass away. We fuss and we fret and these poor people were intimidated and indeed their lives were in danger in a lot of ways. But that doesn't stand to compare of what is in the depths of our heart, namely the day of the Lord. Everything about the creation of God since it was created was headed to the day of the Lord. All things will give an answer to the creator, our Lord Christ, who becomes judge and he is king. And all things are in his power. The day of the Lord. All these things being dissolved in this way. Now he brings it home. What kind of person ought you to be? We're headed. Well. The universe. Of which we are a part physically. Is headed for absolute destruction. As massive and as vast as it is, all Christ has to do is let go. That's all he has to do. 
That's what the Bible teaches. This mysterious force that holds subatomic particles together in some kind of cosmos will turn into chaos, explosion, dissolution, and destruction. And nothing that had been there will be there anymore, and it cannot be found. That would be a, of course, here, here's the way I see it. This is the gospel according to Charles. You can take it or leave it. But I'll guarantee you, as great as it seems to me, it'll be even greater than that. I see after, here's the great white throne. The revelation talks about the great white throne. All the dead will stand before the, the unbelieving dead, stand before the great white throne. The books are opened. The book of life is opened. Anyone whose name is not found in the book of life is cast into the lake of fire. Now the church is there with Christ at this bar of judgment, lake of fire. Think about this now. The end of it all is fire. And I'm thinking that when it all catches fire and starts to explode, we'll have the greatest worship service that we've ever had as angels, as elect angels, unfallen angels, and as the elect of God, we will have the greatest Worship service that creation has ever known. When we watch the collapse and dissolution of a, of a system that sought to destroy us, that gave us so much trouble and turmoil and intimidation and temptation, all that it was, this satanic anti-Christ thing that troubled the people of God since their inception, and we watched this thing collapse and fall, could it be that this whole blast and fire just becomes part of the lake of fire? I don't know. I'll leave that up to you. To watch a universe on fire. I watched with fear and, and great concern the house that burned down. I don't know where I am. Back here. The flames were going so high. And I knew that it was a terrible thing that was happening. I prayed about it as I was still in the office when it was occurring. Freddie called me. I said, you know, the house on fire back there. I didn't know it. I was. And I saw it and I, and when I, when I, every time I see a great fire like that, I'm reminded of the universal fire that's yet to come. As shocking as it is to watch fire, a, a great fire here now, it's, it's so tiny, it cannot compare to the fire of the universe now. We're headed for that. He's speaking to the church. If you have been given to Christ by covenant and everything that has been created has been made for you and even in, 
in sin and the collapse of the human nature and the, and the human experience in Adam, the sin of Adam, and you were in Adam. And even in that, God arranged for your redemption by sending his own son to redeem you. And in the course of space and time, that which God said he would do in eternity, he caused to happen in time in your life. And he separates you and sanctifies you and gives you spiritual gifts and gives you opportunity to serve. The greatest thing in life is to serve Christ. What greater thing could be than that? And if that has happened to you, and you have seen the power of God in your life and you have witnessed the power of God as it's written in his word and throughout history. If this is life and it is, and if you are part of who Christ is, you're in Christ, you're one of his own and he has, he has created you and called you regenerated you and given you eternal life. And you're going to spend eternity with him What does that do to you? Is it something that shapes the essence of your life? It should be. Why should it not? Today, it's going to come like a thief. Before I finish the message, the church could be caught away. And the next series of events are so timely, very meticulous in the Bible, that finally leads us past the millennial kingdom during which God will finally fulfill the completeness of his covenant to Israel. God will show man that even in the absence of the tempter, that old sinful nature apart from the grace of God still creeps into our lives and does so in the lives of so many in the millennial kingdom and then proves the deadliness of sin and finally shows that regardless of how good this earth may be, even absent the demons and the tempter who is chained for a thousand years, how, how, how can, we, can, can we understand that only the, the calling and keeping power of God is what matters? And so God then takes those who are his sheep and the rest of the world is destroyed and then the destruction of everything starts. But we're safe in Christ and the only safety we have is in Christ. There's nothing within ourselves. That's another, that's another proving ground, I think, in the millennial kingdom. Since the fall of Adam, we cannot save ourselves. We cannot keep ourselves. We must have Christ. It must be Christ. We must, we must have a Savior. There's only one. Jesus Christ. And then Paul writes to the Corinthians, he said, then the, then the son will give up the kingdom to the father. Whew. And everything here dissolves. So how then should you live? What kind of person ought you be? In holy conduct and reverence. Is life Reverent. What is it? Eusebius? It's a, is it also, yeah, godliness, reverence, Eusebius. Godliness, reverence to God, holy conduct, conduct that shows the world that we have been separated by God.
We are vessels of God. We are not vessels in any way of the world. We are reverent before God. This is what he says is how you ought to live. Expecting and urging the coming of the day of God. Okay, so we live in this reverence. Okay, this is in the context of where he just said a thousand years is like a day and a day is like a thousand years to God. But that God, God is patient toward us. That all of those whom he has given to Christ will come in. The last and final one will repent. Come to repentance. And then he goes on and he says, okay, how should you live? You're urging the day of God. God knows what he's doing. It's all right. By which reason the heavens being set on fire will be dissolved. The elements melting, burning with heat. But we are awaiting new heavens and a new earth according to his promise in which righteousness dwells. There won't be any. I'm going to tell you something. There won't be a museum in the new earth of how it used to be. God help us. Who even wants to know? Right? The Museum of Charles Owens. Here's where he was cruel to people. Here's, here's a, a bout with diarrhea. Here's where he had measles. I mean, everything that's wrong and sinful and fallen. Why do I want to think about that? It won't be there. There won't be, a, we only have time to worship and praise God in our reverence during that time. Set on fire, melting, burning with heat, but we are waiting new heavens. This is what we're waiting for. Urging, hastening, longing for the coming of the day of God. Awaiting new heavens and a new earth according to his promise. In which righteousness dwells. A, a glorified body. There will be no sin there. In that glorified body. In the old body you will have dropped all that nasty mess down. It's gone. And there's no place for it in the glorified body. It's better than Teflon. Nothing will stick to it. You won't carry anything of it. You won't carry any of it, will you? Whew, the new glorify, I can only read about it. Christ demonstrated it in his resurrection. But there's coming a day. I was a kid. We used to sing a song in church. I bet nobody's ever heard it. There's a great day coming a great day coming, there's a great day coming by and by where the saints and the sinners shall be parted right and left. Are you ready for that day to come? Are you etc. and so forth. Now, this great day after we've been separated and all others have been separated from God. And then there's that lake of fire. Maybe the lake of fire is so great that the burning universe itself will be cast into. I just don't know. Whatever it is, 
I'll think it's right. I'll know that it's right. A new heaven, no more sin. No more temptation. No more sickness. No more death. No more pain. Joy and happiness in which righteousness dwells. A new heaven, a new earth. It's beyond our imagination. The prophet says so, and it's repeated by the apostle in the New Testament. The eye has not seen, the ear has not heard, neither has it even entered into the heart of a man that which God has in store for those who love him. My happiest, greatest, and highest imagination cannot approach the reality of the beauty and glory of the new heaven and the new earth. Man, I didn't get through. But it's such a happy thought to know, to be in Christ, to be safe in Christ, such that even when that day comes, the final day of the universe, and the whole thing is dissolved in a universal nuclear explosion. Yet safe am I in Christ. I'm going to stop there. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He came into this world to save sinners. What a happy day it would be today to know that one of his own today is called by the Father into the Son. If you would be saved today as you exit, we have deacons and wives. You'll see them standing in the doorway just across the hall from here. They are there ready to pray with you. Maybe you're here and you're a Christian and God leads you to come and be a part of Shiloh. They are there as well to work out those details with you. Right now, let's all stand prayerfully. We'll be dismissed in prayer.